0: shut up, rob
1: welcome to the go
2: big redcast the husker fan sports show with dave honky mac and boomer
0: welcome to the go big redcast i'm your host david gaspers and i'm with
2: honky it's 2021 redcasters and i'm all in with my new year's resolutions and when i fail because i will know that I'll have more excuses than Dan Mullen before and
3: after the Cotton Bowl. (laughs) Also with Mac. What up, Redcasters? Uh, I got here a little late tonight. I have now taken on the reins of five-on-five girls YMCA non-competitive basketball. That's right. One technical foul and you're out of there. You can't even say anything to the refs anymore.
0: (laughs) We'll start following uh, them, Mac, as long as they're winners, all right?
3: That's right. (laughs) Call the fouls both ways. That's all I've ever said.
1: That's all I've ever said.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Also with Boomer.
1: Well, I just want to give a shout-out to the uh, fine folks at uh, the Duke's Mayo Company for the uh, best marketing brand awareness money spent on a bowl game since the Poulon Weed Eater folks had a go. That's
0: true. Uh, the Bad Boys mowers have done pretty well for themselves as well, but uh, Duke's definitely uh, money well spent, absolutely. Uh, speaking of bowl season, uh, also I have our uh, BetCast buddies uh, with the show here tonight. Uh, Producer Skip.
4: Hey, yeah, just want to give a good shout out to Alabama wide receiver Devonta Smith for winning the Heisman. Uh, it's unfortunate that Dabo Sweeney had him eleventh on his Heisman ballot, though. <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh, and Redcast Rob. Hey guys, I just want to say thank you for having me back on the show again. You know, but much like my Redcast Bull Pickham, uh, I'm not really quite sure what I'm doing here. <laughs>
0: Well, uh, Rob, uh, speaking of the uh, bowl pick'em, I believe we should have a winner uh, lined up. uh, Producer Skip, is that you?
4: That is me. I don't think anyone can catch me, so uh, probably the only one who was paying attention, though.
0: Past winners of our bowl pick'em have had really exciting prizes, right, Boomer? Like, I don't know, Dinner with Honky and Shrimp from a year ago.
1: Oh, we did, yeah. We, I think we had a media guide. We had a sign- autographed picture of Honky eating shrimp cocktail at <laughs> New Year's Eve one year. Yeah, so uh, Skip, we could reproduce those if you want, or I'm sure we can find
5: something special for you. Yeah, I would love.
1: I would love that.
5: Sounds more like a punishment to me.
1: Well,
0: we did have a really successful first season of, of the the cast. That's why we wanted to bring Rob and Skip in tonight, just to kind of recap um, the the season. Uh, a lot of successful betting, Rob. Boomer Skip all finished uh, five hundred above. I think Rob, you probably were the best Betcast predictor. Um, but you know, let's bring Honky and, and Mac. in. I know you guys have listened to the Betcast. Uh, you know, did you guys have anything you wanted to ask us about starting up a podcast during a
2: pandemic season? Mac, we always talk about what great timing we had starting up the Redcast. Yeah. You know, yeah. sixteen <laughs> wins in four seasons. You guys, I mean, what's it like that the timing starting up a betting show during a pandemic?
4: Well, I'm glad we had trailblazers like you to show us that it still could be done, despite the (laughs) miserable and unpredictable season that lied ahead. Not a great time to start a betting podcast, as you know. uh, To be a good prognosticator, you like to go off information, at least know what's going on during the week. Um, Games were canceled on you. Uh, Late morning uh, notices that 12 people to 20 people were out. Uh, Due to COVID, this team was only sealing up 42 scholarship athletes. It was so strange all along the way. And that went through bowl season, which was another reason we didn't kind of uh, end up doing a bowl cast because we're a little burnt out on those prospects. But if you you paid attention to something like the Ball State-San Jose State game... You didn't find out till right at kickoff that San Jose State was without their offensive and defensive coordinator, their best receiver, two starting linemen, yada, yada, yada.
0: I lost money on that game, Skip. I'll (laughs) tell you that. I was not
4: happy. Well, how would you know? So why would we ever tell people what what to pick or bet when it was just such a crazy season like that? At least unlike the NFL. Let me just paint a, a separate context. They require teams to list this information because they have... They're all under one cohesive umbrella, unlike the NCAA. (laughs) And so what is happening right now with the Cleveland Browns this playoff week, we get to know they're releasing that information because the team is required to. But what was happening at the college level, every team got to go rogue. Even conferences weren't requiring things. So even what you're hearing out of Ohio State right now, Ryan Day is not releasing anything. And I can guarantee you if they're going to have to not be able to suit up some kids you won't know it till the day of and yeah. um because these these coaches are allowed to not release in that information in college made it even more difficult unlike trying to waiver betting in the nfl this year
2: well you know skip that's probably why mac and i were not on the betcast i did not know that san jose state had an offensive coordinator so
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah you guys had some deep tracks on some of your picks i'm like did you really investigate these teams? They did. But I did appreciate how nimble you guys kept it all year because that drove me nuts. So, like, you're trying to pick these games up, oh, nope, gone, up, oh, nope, gone. So, the you know, the perseverance of the BetCast should be admired this year. You gave it a good 2020 try, and, you know, here we are, 2021. It's looking good, guys. <laughs> yep,
0: so far, so good. Smooth sailing from here on in, you know. It's, there's no doubt about that. Can't wait till the
4: craziness uh, March Madness brings with all the – fighting about how a team that played 14 games gets in over a team that played 24 and all the rest.
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Rob, maybe I'll ask you, what are the plans for the BetCast now, kind of going into 2021? Do you guys see yourself doing some basketball, some March Madness and so on?
5: No, we're not going to be doing anything for college basketball. Maybe around the tournament, if they start releasing lines early, maybe we'll take a look at that. This year's tournament's going to be so weird. They're doing it in a bubble in Indianapolis. They're going to be playing at some of the surrounding colleges in the area, but everything's going to take place in Indiana, which I think is kind of cool because a lot of those um, basketball arenas that they play out in Indiana, some of those are considered some of the most – would cathedral be like the uh, best way to describe something?
0: Filled House would be what you're – Thinking about well, that. yeah,
5: but some of those places too, like even Ball State, apparently their basketball arena is considered to be one of the places where, hey, if you ever get a chance to, to go there or play there, it, you, you should consider yourself lucky because it's an old arena or something along those lines. I heard some guys talk about this weekend. So that's pretty cool. But from a betting standpoint... With college basketball this year, it's so hard. You don't know if games are going to be canceled. Who's playing on the team, like if if somebody is going to be off the squad for that week. I mean, I've gotten lucky on a few parlays here and there where I just kind of randomly just take all the money line games in a night, put $5 on it and hope for the best. But other than that, I don't really know.
2: You know, side note, uh, speaking of bowl state. Uh, The creator of Garfield graduated from there, Jim Davis. Jim Davis. yeah, yeah. And David Letterman, too. I think. Yeah,
5: David That's Letterman. Right. I was going to yeah. say David Letterman's yeah. the yeah.
3: other one. Yeah, yeah. Who's that?
2: David? Well, we'll see.
4: <laughs> Maybe uh, Honky will give us a, a good look at uh, Nebraska ball later to see if Nebraska's chances of playing. Uh, getting to Indiana in March this year. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, if we don't do a show, you can expect us back in August. One thing I love to bet are the season win totals in college football, which start getting posted in August. Vegas will set a line, say Nebraska six and a half. Will they win more or less games than that? And so uh, you could expect us back sometime in August.
5: I would say that that might even be a good show to do after um, you do your interview with Brett Sianza. Pick six previews when when that comes out. It'd be, it'll be fun because I think we can all sit down, we can read it and maybe sit down and do a betcast where we can pick the uh, over-under win totals for each team.
2: That's a great point there, Rob. And actually, a quick plug, Mac and I, we're going to be talking with Brett here probably in the next month or so, probably... Early to mid February ish, I'm guessing, yeah, he's
3: but got, he's got a little bit of work to finish up, I'm sure. Yeah, kind of yeah. do a
2: season recap, and then uh, and then Dave will do a,
3: a season preview. That should be enjoyable. Season recap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we can talk about a different team
1: though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but don't forget, guys! In just a little over a month, if you really have to, that betting itch to scratch, you got McNeese State and Tarleton State kicking off uh, FCS Spring Week One, so we can be right back at it. Wow! Wow!
5: Go UNC Bears!
1: <laughs> I'm a Wofford Terriers guys myself yeah i was oh, saying uh, before the
5: show i just got to walk a few blocks and i can go like stand on the fence like i did in high school to watch my old high school team i don't even have to pay to get in i can see the entire game through the fence
3: that's not why you're outside the fence rob <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, technically you shouldn't be
4: within 600 feet of the fence
5: but... yeah. i'm not even supposed to be within six miles of the college but <laughs> jokes on them <laughs>
0: Uh, well, Honk, uh, we'll, uh, the BetCast guys will hang out here for a little while longer with us. Uh, do we want to maybe go over a little bit of our uh, offseason uh, roster management?
2: Yeah, Dave, I think because that kind of also plays into a bigger discussion, too, that we want to get into about the transfer portal. And mm-hmm. really, that's uh, going to be the, the talk a lot of this offseason. There's such a such a large amount of guys that are going into it nationally. But at least here locally with Nebraska right now, roster management – We've had three players enter the transfer portal, Uh, senior offensive lineman Bo Wilson, junior defensive lineman Keem Green, and then uh, just very recently this week here, redshirt freshman offensive lineman Matthew Anderson. That's in addition to, at least to this point, these are the seniors that we know are leaving. Hymas, of course, is going pro. Christian Gaylord, uh, Colin Miller is retiring Mm -hmm. with the injury. Stoll at tight end, he's going to try his, yep, and Boodle too. As far as seniors staying, uh, this is where it starts to get interesting. Yeah. You know, Jojo Doman the other day on Twitter uh, posted that he's coming back, and that's huge. I think we all kind of agreed on that outside linebacker that can, you know, rush the quarterback. He can play coverage. I mean, that guy, he he can do so much on the field. Having him back is big. Yep. And another guy, I have him listed here, and I guess I, I've never seen it officially, but I think Culp is coming back, the kicker,
3: right? I mean, he, he, he never did the senior day tribute yeah so since that day they kind of assumed he was coming back I don't know if he's made an announcement but everyone I've ever heard talk about it makes it sound like that's not in question he's coming back mm-hmm. and then probably the
2: other two players of roster management since we last did a show the big one is Cam Taylor britt Mack. and I mean okay. my goodness you you're talking about months ago that this guy could be a an all-conference player
3: this year and he was
2: and uh, yep. where do you see him next year coming
3: back? I mean, what's... I, I think it was an exceedingly good move for him to come back. Yeah. For one, if we had a winning season, it'd be the first time in a while, and that would be fantastic. Yep. And then he's already got eyes on him all, for all conference awards. He'll be on the Thorpe Award watch list. He can raise his stock so much, and he's good. Yeah. You know, he's really good. He plays a lot of roles for us, and not just as a corner, but special teams as well. You know, him coming back one more year, especially with getting those young guys. Kind of up to speed. I see Fisher moving him around a little bit and doing more stuff with him and really featuring yeah. him on the defense. And, and then, you know, you know, maybe we didn't hit it very hard on the uh, recruiting side of outside linebacker. JoJo Doman kind of erases that a little bit for the year. You mm-hmm. know, it gives you another chance in the recruiting cycle and developing a young guy nice. to make that work. So having JoJo back and Cam Taylor Britt, those are humongous mm-hmm. returns. If we could, you know, score a couple more. Well, and we did score one additional
2: outside linebacker, and Dave, that was with a, a recruiting uh, get that we got that was announced this week at the All-American show that they had this week. Yeah, I whatever there. Yeah, it really wasn't a game, zoom, but the four-star uh, linebacker from Hawaii, and do you know how to say it? I, I I'll I'll totally botch it. wind win wind in the Hoolie.
4: Looking forward to you botching that name for four more years, <laughs> by the way. What's the show. polar
2: bear's name again? nash hutchmacher hey
3: that all right, right? Yeah,
2: hey it, that only took me three years of doing that folks all so right. you know
0: we just need more nicknames on the team to <laughs> make it easy right i mean ctb simple right let's just go with that cam juice
2: yeah dave give me a nickname for winden huhuli and uh i'll be good to go but he's the number number one recruit out of hawaii uh,
3: according to rivals. Hey, that's so. open doors his job right Isn't, that's right that aren't they gonna once I, I can't wait to see what they come up for him
0: yeah that's true that's true you know It will be interesting to see how uh, some of these folks returning, like JoJo and uh, Cam Taylor-Britt, do have potentially some money-earning opportunities with NIL as long as that continues to to happen. I guess. Um, And you know, I was just going to ask you guys: Do you feel like with Cam Taylor-Britt, you know, obviously, I'm sure he was trying to do his due diligence, uh, weighing the pros and cons. You know, maybe. The experience of Lamar Jackson last year being a kind of the focus cornerback and
3: ultimately not getting drafted, do you think that had any influence on uh, Britt coming back? I think another year with Travis Fisher is probably the biggest part of that, yeah. Because I, I think there's probably no doubt that Lamar Jackson isn't in the NFL today without without Fisher coaching him for that last year. And Cam, I think, loves Nebraska. I think he wants to be here and, and, yeah. and, and really kind of turn this thing around. He's been a leader since – Really, since fre- his freshman year, so I think it is important to him to kind of end this his career here, right? And but there's no doubt I'm sure he got a good draft grade. I thought the same thing about JoJo Doman. You know, we talked about his last uh, last show about his dad being either an agent or somehow affiliated. You know, you know he got a good a good grade or a good idea where he was going to be. So I'm sure Cam Taylor Cam Taylor Britt also knew.
2: But well, and he'll have something that Lamar didn't have coming into his senior year, and that is that name recognition. Lamar.
3: Nobody was talking about him being, you know, a first-team player Well, if anything, first Lamar was, you know, anything. kind of a disappointment, yeah. you know, up until then. And Lamar had all the status as a cornerback or a safety coming in. You know, Kim taylor Britt was a quarterback in, in high school, so mm-hmm. new position. He's still learning. I mean, this is his fourth. This will be his fourth year playing corner. So it, it, it won't hurt him to play in one more, I
1: guess.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And, you know, there's chances, too. I don't – you mentioned special
2: teams. Obviously, he, he returned some punts, but – after watching some of the bowl games, Dave, last week, and you see the Ohio States and the Clemson's, and how they're putting starters out there on kickoff teams sure and kick it coverage and all that, and you see that, and you know, it you gets the point. I'm like, if we've got talented guys, and we do, if we have those guys, get them out there on the field and play. I mean, there's these guys are young; they can run down the field yeah. and then go play on first down too. I mean, that's that's what the best teams are doing. There's no reason for us not. to be I just played the best full court
3: basketball with 11 year old girls <laughs> running running back and forth. With and the, you're podcasting with a pulled hamstring. I might sh- I might add I I have some soft tissue damage from the holidays. We'll talk about that maybe another red cast.
2: By the way, Redcast Rob just texted me while we're doing this that we should call uh, the linebacker Hulu because he's worth watching. So that actually is helpful. Oh, he will be Hulu now. Nice. For me, so. <laughs> open doors will just take that. Rob, you just lost that idea. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's good though. That's good. That's good. You know, uh, speaking of potential uh, returning seniors, uh, anybody else uh, have someone that, you know, there's probably what five or six left that still haven't made a decision, right? you have
1: anybody that you would love to see back uh, next fall? Mills is the obvious answer, I think, to that. We saw what he was capable of, I think, in that last game at Rutgers. And that seems to be that position where we're really lacking anything because we just didn't see anything in running backs for the most part this year. And it just seems up in the air what he's going to do. So I think that's the obvious answer.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. You know, it kind of depends also on what the transfer portal holds for running backs. I don't know if there's an opportunity there with, uh, you know, whether it's TJ Pledger or someone else. But we definitely need to shore up the running back room. So, yeah, I, I think Mills is your obvious answer. So let's let's go to your, your less obvious answers. There. Someone else, is it Stilly? Is it someone else that Honus?
2: Yeah, to me, Honus is a big one for inside linebacker to have that presence back plus I thought Honus was just really playing good ball last year I mean that's the the main thing on top of that I mean stilly the same thing could be said about him I you know I think he'd be a good leader on that line having coming back but at the same token it's not a position of as much need if he were to to right. move on I don't know Ben stilly from you know personally or anything but I just get the feeling that Nebraska kid, he'd want to come back and be a part of that first winning season now, which in five years, I mean, that's crazy to think about, but to to be able to leave on those kind of terms, I think, would be
3: awesome. Yeah, you wonder with some of those, that level of senior who's had so much losing in his career here, if he sees the potential, and maybe that will be the deciding factor for some of these guys. If they look at this team and they think, "Eh, you know what, I really think we could maybe turn around and have a decent season. My gosh, Ben Stilley deserves it. He's played as hard and as as well as he could, and has gotten better every season. What a luxury to have him back. You know, he's a heck of a leader. He gets the guys going in the right direction. It's a deep room. I mean, we already see Keem Green in the portal, so. Honus is different. I think Honus could be poised for not quite a a Cam Taylor-Britt kind of year, but. He's had a really solid year this year. He played the whole year this year Mm -hmm. at a decent level. He comes back next year. He could be our Patty Fisher. You know, he's been here for a few years. He's an older (laughs) linebacker. You know, he's he's Big Ten ready. You know, to me, I guess I would rather have these, any one of these seniors come back than try to pin my hopes on any kind of portal transfer doing anything. And that includes running back, too.
2: Yeah, if it was down to a portal guy coming here versus a guy that's already produced on the field here, if that's the case. Now, Dave, like a running back spot, like you mentioned with Mills, that I think that's I a Mills room where, coming back or not, well, we still we don't need, know anybody. Yeah, behind. Mills could come back, and we still could use a portal guy, I think, at that position. Yeah, we need, I think you're right. We need production at that position, and whether it's the guys that are currently on the on the roster or not. We just need production.
0: Yeah. Let me ask the uh, the BetCast guys here because they're definitely um, NFL fans, you know. Producer Skip with the Broncos, Rob with some other team that I won't mention. <laughs> You know, someone like Jojo Doman, let's say he's a borderline uh, NFL guy, you know, draft wise or even free agent Um, or or anybody else in this situation, because this is not just at Nebraska. We're going to see kind of six year seniors like all across uh, college football next year. As a uh, NFL fan, would you be concerned if, you know, the Broncos take someone in the seventh round a, a, a year from now, who's a six year senior, the guy's 24, 25 years old, and you're like, Dude, that, that guy is, is already past his NFL prime, right? Are you, or you're like, no, that guy's seasoned and developed and, and maybe he can contribute, you know? I mean, do you have any red flags on guys that are, are probably older than what you'd expect from a draft perspective?
5: Personally, I, I, Kind of like the idea. I think that not this year's draft, but the obviously next year's draft with these six-year senior, fifth-year seniors, is going to be one of the deepest drafts in the NFL in a long time. The problem with the NFL right now is it expects so much out of their draft picks immediately. Um, in the past, when when I was growing up as a kid, you know, guys would sit on the bench for a year or two, learn the position, then actually get into the game and be able to play, and they would be great. Um, nowadays they're expected, if you're taken in the top four rounds, now you're expected to be on the field playing and producing right then and there. And if you're not doing that within a season or two, everyone's yelling at you, calling you a bust. Um, I think yesterday we were sharing that tweet with the, with the guy calling everybody Twitty you know, and, and, and I love that because that's exactly what it's like. You get on Twitter and all of a sudden everybody just hates every player that's ever come through the NFL in the last six months. So my answer to your question is, is guys taken in the fifth and sixth and seventh round in next year's draft? Um, I think – they're going to actually be able to produce a little bit more. They're going to have that college experience. College is the minor leagues for the NFL. So if these guys are playing more games in college and getting that much more experience, I think they're going to come in more NFL ready than they would coming out after year two or three. To your point, Dave, you
4: use seventh rounder as an example. That is somewhere, yeah, a sixth or seventh rounder would someone maybe would consider it. And it's all the position-based too. They wouldn't take a 24-year-old quarterback at that position. Probably not a receiver. But maybe when you're talking defensive and offensive linemen, yeah, I don't think I don't see any team using a first, second or third rounder on a 24 year old because they're locked in on these contracts. And when these rookie extensions can go and they don't want to be getting into those contracts with older skill player guys. Yeah,
2: I try to think of a couple quarterbacks like there was Chris Wienke and Brandon Whedon. Brandon Whedon
4: was like 29, right? And
2: those aren't good examples of where teams would want to do that. And he was cut within two years on the Browns. That's right. He was a
4: first round pick.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it's in
0: the context of Nebraska here to bring it back to that. Mills, uh, as a running back, you know, listening to that, it makes me think. Boy, I just don't know if Dedrick Mills is going to come back because what's it going to do for him, right? Um, but maybe if a few other guys, even our, our safeties, for example, um, who are definitely in that that age bracket, may still see it as a valuable opportunity to to prove themselves more and improve their their
1: draft grades. Yeah, and I think Rob brought up a good point about next year's draft. You've got you know so many players that are going to be sticking around this year, and another big class of seniors next year. That it's probably going to be a pretty large draft class. So I think it, it's going to weigh heavily on players to decide you know what's who's going to be coming out this year and what's it going to be like next season. How many potential running backs are there going to be in next year's draft? It could be a lot, so that might weigh heavily into people's decisions. You know what? You know is it going to be. more, you know, running backs than usual in next year's draft just because you've had some people stick around and another class of seniors come up. So there's a lot that's going into this. It's part of the whole roster management of college, you know, the challenges this this weird pandemic season brings and what it does to the draft, too.
4: On that note, one thing I haven't gotten a good read on it, have you guys heard of what some schools are doing as far as encouraging seniors to go because they're trying to sign a full freshman class? I mean, are they trying to gray shirt a lot of freshmen to buy some scholarship time? Uh, what do you guys know on that front in Nebraska, or what have you heard some other schools trying to do? Because I haven't really heard a good thing. How are we taking in full freshman classes if we're allowing some seniors to come back?
0: Skip, I'll let maybe Hockey and Mac jump in here, but at least from the seniors here, I don't believe scholarship limits, the 85 rule, etc. There, th- those... Seniors that are getting granted an extra year just don't count. Okay, Um, Mm -hmm. So it doesn't really impact whatsoever.
4: So you might technically have 95 people on scholarship, but it's only going to be counted as your 85.
2: Yeah, right now we're looking at, uh, Mac and I are looking at the Nebraska football scholarship chart that's on the Journal Star they posted today. And it's interesting, first off, how they label things. Uh, Number one is that there's six different classes now. So you have senior, (laughs) junior, sophomore, redshirt freshman but then there's 2020 freshmen, 2021 wow. freshmen, and then you get down to the bottom here and when they add it all up right now we currently have 86 against the 85 man total and then we have 93 total hmm. so but to that point that David mentioned so seven of them are seniors so that's why we're 93 we're eight over but seven of them hmm. are seniors they're allowed to play next year and then they note here that 2021 and 2020 players have five years eligibility, but all the other dudes, the other mm-hmm. four classes, are, are all six-year eligibility guys. So uh, it's just you know it's just going to be a different way of looking at a roster right now. And but as far as our actual numbers go, it looks like we're at 86 right now vert against our 85 man total. So,
0: yeah. So roster management. Uh, so we just talked about the the end of players' careers, but let's go back to. Uh, recruiting a little bit here. We have about a month before the the second signing day and there could be, you know, transfer portal movement at, during that time period as well, I, I believe. So uh, honky Mac, um, is there other, other guys you think we may um, land still in this class? Maybe someone named Avante or something like that <laughs> or other Hawaiians that are, are interested. Um, and then, how does the transfer portal play into those numbers as well?
2: Yeah, I mean, all that plays into the numbers. It, from a recruiting standpoint, obviously Dickerson from Omaha. Yeah, and then uh, Savaya kid, I think he committed to the USC, so he's off the chart. But as far as other high school kids, Dickerson's a huge one for us right now. The yeah. Omaha defensive back there from West Side. Let's just assume for a second that we get him. Well, now we're at 87. And then, to your point, Dave, you know, we go out and we get two or three – in the transfer portal between now and middle of February, well, now we're up to eighty nine, ninety. That means four or five guys from this current roster that are not seniors. Four or five would have to, you know, fall off the roster somehow, mm-hmm. and go enter the transfer portal. And this gets into that transfer portal discussion of it's so packed and loaded right is now this as it is
3: with Matt Anderson going into the yes, program. yep, oh, Anderson's
2: wow. even gone from that so. I mean, that, that's as up-to-date as, as we mm-hmm. have, and we're, we're one over right now. But, yeah, you bring somebody in, somebody's got to leave, and that transfer portal, there's so many people in there. So, yeah. you know, we asked a question about that on Twitter here, Dave, and we said the transfer portal has exploded this offseason with hundreds of players now entered into it. Some schools even have close to 20 players alone in the portal. Uh, Overall, has the portal been a negative or positive for college football programs and athletes? And why is this Nebraska's
3: fault? (laughs) Why is this Nebraska's (laughs) fault? That's right.
2: Uh, 9% said mostly positive. 63% said mostly negative. Uh, 26% said too soon to tell so far. And I think if you look at some of the responses here, two average guys' podcast, they responded, I think it's created an easy out for those who don't earn a, a starting spot, especially freshmen. Uh, Juan said it's mostly negative. The portal is a good idea for kids when they go to smaller schools like FCS or G5 and they exceed expectations and transfer up or when a player just has personal matters. But it's not a good idea when these players have a bad day and feel like calling it quits. The last one, Viking Husker, he said transferring is a good option if you have put in the time and the work but are still buried. But we're seeing a lot of young dudes transfer due to impatience. Guys who think they should start right away. Well, you're not going to find patience at your next stop. And I think that's kind of, that was a lot of the feedback we got was people looking at it as as guys making the jump too soon or the grass is greener somewhere else and not putting in the time first. They look at that as a negative. But if you are someone like Joe Burrow who's put in the time and you're just not going to get the start, then there's a positive.
0: Yeah, I mean, look at Ronald Delancey, right? Um he he's one of those Huskers that had some tweets saying that you know we weren't playing the most talented guys uh, on the roster, et cetera. He enters the transfer portal, and, and where did he end up?
1: Uh, he is now a Toledo Rocket, Dave. Ooh. there you go, right? I mean, I so guess he darted they... a map. Cool. Former program of Matt Campbell, so you know <laughs> a lot can good good come out of that. Grass is greener in the
0: MAC, I guess. So there's a lot of those, right? I mean, I do believe Marcus Fleming landed at Maryland, which um, that's a pretty good uh, landing spot for him, and I think he is pretty talented. That's uh, probably a a loss. But a lot of these guys have gone down to group of five, and not that they won't have success at Toledo or Florida Atlantic or wherever, but it's not playing in power five, and, and there's a difference there.
2: Yeah, there's just such a glut of players in there. I mean, you better have a really good feeling that you're going to transfer up if you're going to get into it, uh,
3: or else... And it's a buyer's market, too. I mean, I I, I expect our coaches to be very particular on the guys that we try to bring in here. And maybe I'm being wishful here, but how you fit, you fit in the program, as well as your talent and ability to play right away, has to be factored in. Because... It's just a crapshoot to bring these guys in and think they're immediately going to produce. I, we don't know with the weird fall ball, no spring ball. We have no idea what the, what the freshman stable of these running backs are, for example. Mm-hmm. And we have no idea. Same with the wide receivers for, in a lot of positions. So you better be pretty sure about that before you bring yet another body to split reps and try to develop that guy when you maybe have already had a few guys in here in the system this long. I, I, I think that for the most part, this is just my take, I think the transfer portal is fool's gold, and I don't think we should play much with it.
0: Well, Mac, l- let me dig a little deeper on that, because I think you're probably right in most cases. Um, but I think if you do find real gold in the transfer portal, it's finding players that have competed at a high level and have been successful at another yes, program.
3: I would agree with you on that 100%.
0: And then, like, hey, you know, for whatever reason, right? TJ Pledger might be that type of case, right? Here's a guy who had several hundred yard games this year for Oklahoma. Um, I don't know the details, but for some reason, he fell out of favor with that coaching staff. He didn't get as many carries at the end of the year, and he decided he wants to start fresh, right? Um, mm-hmm. There's a there's a couple Arizona receivers uh, because someone left, and and they're looking for a different different spot because
3: a coaching yeah. change, right? You might might mm-hmm, find yeah. those situations. I, and those cases absolutely exist too. And, and, and Burrow's a great example of just that, you know. But, you know, he was a guy who put in his time. He didn't whine. He waited all the way to the end and then made the jump. And I'm sure there are those guys and, that do exist in the portal, but you're going to have to sift through a lot of guys that just feel like they didn't yeah. get their shake. And, and Burrow. And, those, and there's too many of those guys right now. To, and, and Burrow
2: didn't have any production when he left either. And he did take a year of, seasoning so to speak at, at LSU but you know I mean Nebraska we've had a couple of guys that have come through the portal that were productive at their previous schools Darian Daniels certainly at at Oklahoma State and that was a that was a productive uh gift. Well, it was a grad then,
3: transfer though
2: well but still came through the portal but then you go and you get Cannavinoa and he had numbers coming from Cal and he wasn't very productive Rob you know you're texting us about JD Spielman and how he left you know to go to TCU and that seemed to hurt us, or we thought it was going to hurt us going into the season, but sure as hell didn't help TCU a whole lot. I mean,
5: what was what was his stats there, Rob? Five catches or something, you said? Five catches for 56 yards. He had seven, I think, return punt returns for 80 yards, as long as it was like 24 yards. So
0: Yeah, It didn't improve his NFL stock, that's for sure. No, it,
5: it, de- it definitely did not. And, uh, he would be one of those guys that would benefit to come back next year, that's for sure.
1: I will say one thing about the transfer portal. I think some of the the dislike of it is just kind of a misunderstanding of what the purpose of it is. What it was really designed for was to simplify the whole process of transferring, because prior to the transfer portal... If a player wanted to transfer, he had to go to his coach. And if the coach denied his request to speak to a different school, the the player could then go to the athletic director. The athletic director, he could deny it. Then he'd have to go to a designated campus administrator, like a dean or someone like that. The dean could deny it. Then the the player could go to a committee um, of professionals on campus and such like that. And they could still deny the, the opportunity to transfer. The player could still then transfer, but then he couldn't get athletic aid at a new school he went to. And if he did want to explore new schools, the current school's compliance administrator had to send actual, like, physical letters to all the schools he wanted to visit. And you'd have to fill them out by hand, fax them back and forth, or email them. The idea behind the transfer portal was to simplify the whole process to make it easier for not only the player to transfer, but for school's compliance administrators to make this whole thing easier. He enters the portal. Great. Here it is. The
3: information's there. If schools want to contact him, great. They did that though to make it so it wasn't the wild, wild west and, and people wouldn't abuse it. It's just like anything else. Like now it's yeah. wide open and it's going and people are going to abuse it. What you said is right, but the problem is then it gets flooded with people who are just feeling like they've been treated unfairly. Not the cases that you necessarily, <laughs> it's going to be just like with when we, when we let these players cash in on their image and likeness. This is just going to be like, well, we had to make rules so these boosters couldn't give these players a bunch of money because they were really good and we wanted them to come here. Well, that's basically what we're going to do now. We're going to pay them for their likeness and we're going to, we're going to promote the best program that can get them most marketing so they can be part of our team. And then that will get out of hand and then we'll, we'll start regulating that again to make it fair again. Yeah. We just do it in cycles. I compare it to the BCS. It's it's a terrible
2: process that they fixed with something that isn't necessarily going to be better. <laughs> you know, if the bowl system would have just worked, and it was with the bowl alliance, you didn't need to have a whole BCS and lead into all this. Well, if right. the if the transfer process would have just not taken seventeen steps that Boomer just went through and not be inconsistent from one school and one conference to the next, there, then it you gets wouldn't that way. Wouldn't abuse, need to, they well, make more
3: systems because yeah. people abuse well, them. Well, and back, and then, back then to the, you get this crap.
2: And back to Skip's point from the very first thing about when he talked about the NFL and and how you know who's going to be playing this weekend or not, because the NCAA doesn't have any football governing body that makes everything consistent that's where you get bad bowl systems with bad bowl rules and bcs's need to come out of there you have bad transfer processes
3: i mean the homogenized nfl if we if you were going to the heck out of me
2: (laughs) if you were going to start college football from scratch you would never start it the way that it is evolved today it just it it wouldn't wouldn't make sense to do it but that's where we're at right now so you create a transfer portal to
3: fix a problem that probably didn't need to be fixed with a portal but Whatever, it is what it is now. So Listen, you it's it's a lot like when the satellite camp thing started. And it was just again, it was the wild, wild west. Jim Harbaugh's going all over the place yeah, and wrong. making it crazy and he ruins it for everybody. <laughs> and it's just gonna be the same thing with the transfer portal. You're gonna get behind behind the doors, handshakes. Hey, you get in the portal, you can come here, no problem. They can't even say anything to you now. It's ridiculous to think this stuff isn't gonna happen. And of course it's gonna get abused. It might be ballooned this year, but <laughs> it's hardly in a competitive environment like college football, it will never shrink. It will only get worse until it's regulated and until it gets to the morass of crap that Boomer outlined for a transfer any game. We'll we'll build it back up and shake it all out and I just want a college football game back on, on Playstation Four. Is that so hard? Like what <laughs> part is that? When can we get to that? It's like, Playstation um, five now, Mac. Oh, sorry, man. In my house, it's a four. (laughs)
0: Uh, All right, guys. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, I I, I think we uh, need to get to the mailbag, so we'll we'll let our uh, BetCast guys uh, take off, and uh, they'll be back next season.
4: Not if we transfer
1: first. You've got mail. Hi,
2: mailman! I can't believe I'm going to be a mailman. What's in the bag? A shark or something? (laughs)
3: All right,
0: guys, let's crack open that
2: mailbag, Honky. The floor is yours. Well, as usual, we had a, a lot of uh, questions that came in, and the first question comes from Law, Politics, and Football. And I'll give this one to you, Mac. Mm-hmm. He uh, he said, "Feels like we've tried the off season two or three different ways with Frost." First year, it was all filled with optimism without the pressure of the expectations in year one. By year two, the hype train was going 110 miles an hour. And then year three, it was nervous optimism. So at the end of this offseason, going into year four, where are we
3: at right now? Mm. <laughs> you nailed that. That's exactly how it went. Um, I, well, I, I think we said it a couple shows back. It's uh, cautiously optimistic, I feel like, it's, you know where, where I sit with it. You know, If I was thinking about how the coaches have to approach it – Absolutely, they have to instill in the team that they are right there. Frost was saying it all this year that they were about to turn a corner. I think, I think in a lot of ways they probably were, but from a fan standpoint, and from from a media standpoint, they're going to look at us and, and it's all going to be, you know, probably fifth in the Big Ten West or something like that. But fans, sure. fans are not going to hear one word this year. I feel like fans are all going to. I don't care who we get in the transfer portal. I don't care who Decides to come back, it's all going to be show it on the field mm-hmm. when your first four games or however many. But so <clears throat> the fans are just going to be standing in the corner with their arms folded <laughs> and saying, Impress me until you say, Yeah, because yeah.
2: with each offseason, we get a little bit more data, yeah. So yeah, if we get the number two and number yeah. three JUCO's, no one's going to care. Yeah, if we no. get the number two and number three JUCO's this year, we'd be like, well, we, we oh, got that we did last that year. Once, yeah. yeah. So with everything, every year that goes by, well, we have massive gains it, in the weight room. Oh yeah, I've heard that before. All oh, right. our nutrition's up.
3: Oh great, shut up and win a game. That's <laughs> just,
2: what they're gonna just say. win. That's all it is, just win. <laughs> now he did follow up and he goes, "Do you think the staff will try anything to set expectations uh, compared to where fans and media set com- expectations? Do you do you see them trying to do anything this offseason?" That also has
3: been a bit of an evolution. You know, you you look at Frost when he came in. I think it's fair to say he was pretty brash and possibly overconfident. Certainly overconfident if you're basing it off his record. Yep. you know, um, <laughs> and this year it was we really want to play. We're about to turn a corner, and then by the end of it, it's like, well, you know, I hope we play. I pl- hope we play a good game and you know give him a good challenge and stuff like that. <laughs> so I'll be really curious. As to, he's not going to pump this team up? No, no I way. He that. pumps this team up. Nobody on the staff should be saying anything other than, well, we're trying to improve every week. Day by day. That's what they should say. That'd be my guess.
2: Well, Dave, uh, the next question came from Eminem, and this kind of is along those lines, these great expectations we have right now. Uh, Frost or Hoiberg, who wins the first postseason game out of those two?
0: If I had to answer this question last year, I would have probably said Fred Hoiberg because I I felt like this year, uh, the 2021 basketball season, what an opportunity to at least make the NIT, but sure. with a um, a conference heavy schedule and um, ultimately the results I've seen in the first month or so of the season, I don't think that's likely at all. But then, then, then is do we go six and six next year in football because that would get us to postseason? That seems possible, but I, I'm not going to guarantee you that either. I, that's a really, really good question. You know, I was listening to the. The Nick Ba podcast on the Heard at Media Network, where we are with the Redcast. Uh, Nick Ba, if you have a chance to listen to his mailbag uh, podcast from earlier this week, the first ten minutes, uh, he kind of just like breaks down Nebraska basketball, and I mean everything he says, I'm just shaking my head because he just hit everything right, nailed it right on the head. Very very good ten minute segment there by Nick because he really really laid out the issues in their, this this basketball team. Uh, the consistency and the ability to to build a program uh, was lost by having so many people transfer out right away after that first year. And it feels like the Hoiberg uh, success is at least a year away at this point. And we have to keep the guys here uh, to really to see that year three, where we have a really great recruiting cr- class, off. So, I think Hoiberg will be in the postseason in year three, guaranteed. Um, with Frost, I'm going to be an optimist and say we get six wins next year. So, I'm going to say Frost gets to the postseason first.
2: I guess a side question to that a lot was compared to when Hoiberg went to Iowa State and they flipped the roster there. And of course, it took them until I think it was year two before they really started to, to kind of get it going, right? Now, was that because after year one, they didn't flip the roster yet again? I mean, was that that they got it right in year one, kept the same players, and in year two, you, you really saw it? Or did they kind of have a similar thing here and just hit a bunch of luck on year two?
0: Yeah, that's that's correct. Uh, they, they definitely had some turnover uh, between years one and two, but not nearly as much as Nebraska. When you think about it, we really have Yvonne and Thor. And, and that's about it, right? Um, they had more consistency. So you're starting to build that culture in the program. And so players that came into that program after that, her, the culture was established. That's it, still being developed right now. And, mm-hmm. and just playing together is still being developed, right? I mean, I think I look at this Nebraska basketball team and it is talented. They are as talent. McGowan's is talented. Mm-hmm. Blanton, talented. Teddy Allen, very talented. They just, don't play well together. the the <laughs> The sum is not as good as the parts, right? And so sure. that could change in in year three after a lot more time together in improving the roster again. But they just don't look as good as they sh- their talent indicates they should be.
2: And that maybe is one of the reasons why they're so competitive for long stretches of time, but then completely blow up for other parts of the game. Yeah. Yes. Well, Mac. Uh, next question from Richard Fitzwell. He said, are there any plays, calls, or concepts on the offense or defense that you would like to remove from the playbook? And he goes, this can be based on effectiveness or player limitations, your own personal preferences, or are you just tired of seeing a swing pass or the first play of every game going for negative yards? So you're the head coach. You have the opportunity to remove any kind of thing from the playbook, offensively or defensively.
3: Where do you go? Uh, inside the five, be under center. And, and then just score touchdowns by running. I, I'm sick. I, I don't want to see any more shovel passes inside the five. But other than that, I honestly think it's for us it's always in, until – I'll beat on this drum until I see it. If we don't execute, then I don't know what our offensive play mm-hmm. scheme, all that stuff looks like. I You know, everybody the year prior hated the bubble screens. This year, they weren't bad. I, I didn't have any problems with the bubble screens this year because the wide receivers blocked better this year. And this, you know, so when you see this offense execute properly, you see yards being gained and 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 points being scored. So um,
2: you know, so he kind of he references that plays or concepts. Really, it's not necessarily the play. Then you're kind of saying, mm-hmm. other than don't do a shovel pass to the, right. you know the tight end on at the one yard line. Okay, outside of that play, but it's more the concept of get under center when you need that one yard and you're at the goal line. You know, the physicality of mm-hmm. running the running the running back and actually having that bell cow. Right. You know, the one game this year where we have 25 carries to Mills, unfortunately we have 26 carries with Martinez on mm-hmm. top of it. It's like, you know, it's that's more of a concept of let's have the running backs be the guys leading the team in rushing. You know, Dave, I think that's we right. were six, seven games in the season and what, three of our top rushers, none of them are running backs? Yeah. I mean, that's crazy.
0: No, that's absolutely right, and I mean, part of that, I guess, is play calling. Part of it may be the play caller is being influenced by how much he trusts his players to execute those plays right. and have the talent to actually make plays in the open field, etc., right?
2: Yeah, well, those are the kind of things that hopefully will will get us back into to playing bowl football, and I think that's what leads us to the next question from Mama Husker, and this is for you, Boomer. Is there too much being made right now of conference strength and conference bowl records you know we hear about all the time the sec or the you know chris fowler said during the ohio state that the big 10 was down this year it was a down year for the big 10 and so is too much being made out of that
1: with the system we have now it's gonna be a big deal bowl records probably shouldn't be as big of a deal as they are but sometimes that's the only comparison you're gonna have and Mm -hmm. and this year was a weird year for bowl records when you had so many opt-outs and so many you know, cancellations and teams having to get shuffled around at the last minute. People have talked, this might be something we're going to see more in the future as more players opt out of bowls, as they have less and less meaning, just trying to prevent injury for going pro. So bowl records might become you know less and less meaningful as we go forward. But uh,
2: You know, Boomer, that was actually something that I think it was Stuart Mandel brought up, was the NIL, the name, image, and likeness. Could that actually have an effect in the future with bowl games, could a bowl do something to try to prevent a player from not playing in it? You know, give some kind of incentive for that senior to come and play in it. Like start, a Trans
3: Am. Like a Trans Am? Yeah, he or Dickerson.
1: Or, or your supply of Duke's Mayo. There you go. <laughs> <know. laughs> yeah, make mean, homemade
3: ranch. It's amazing. Yeah. Do you have any issue with that, Boomer?
1: Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. I, I don't know. I, I guess it's going to depend a lot on how those rules shake out for how name, image, and likeness works and what bowls are going to be able to do for it um and again a lot of it's going to depend on the player will that you know lifetime supply of dukes mayo cancel out any possibility of injury for an nfl career i don't know but um it's going to be one of many things they're going to, have to figure out going forward and uh we'll, we'll see what impact it has i don't know at this point it's hard to predict
2: well I'm, I'm sure the ncaa and kevin warren and all those guys they they they're on top of this so finger on the pulse finger on the pulse all right well uh, Jay Swobes, he always has his finger on the pulse, Mac, and he has a question here about will you be able to get an instant impact and contribution from Fedoni in 2021? He goes, unfortunately, most of the high star recruits of the past several years haven't made that instant impact, maybe outside of Wandell. So what are your thoughts?
3: Well, I, I would first push back just a little bit that I think Adrian Martinez made an impact. He certainly had, a, certainly his freshman year, and I'd say Maurice Washington did as well, Cam Taylor Brand as well. I mean, I, I I think there's a misnomer about the staff and not be able to get freshmen to play just because we sure. haven't be able to get every freshman to play. Mm-hmm. Um, Fadoni, I, I feel like that, that that's a guy that absolutely has to produce in his freshman year just because of the caliber of recruit he is mm-hmm. and really the position he's going to fill. Take the tight end out of the out of the name. We need big, tall receivers. We're get, we, The tight end room is deep, but the wide receiver room is open. Um, and he's a guy who can be a mismatch in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a hands catcher, a good route runner, a hard worker, and you know potentially we'll have a full offseason to work this guy in. And there's really 0.0 reason not to try to get this guy on the field as soon as you can. I mean, he's nothing but a weapon. So no, I, I I have a lot of faith in the fact that he will get out there and, and contribute early. I mean, we got we got Xavier Betts going last year, and I, truthfully, you know, I I, I was maybe a little uh, bullish on Xavier Betts, but I, he had he actually even had a better year than I thought he might. Well, thank you, Jay Uh
2: Next question comes from Carolyn Graves on Facebook, and this is for you, Dave. If you're Nebraska's head coach and you're looking to bring in some former Husker players to maybe be on your staff, who would it be and why?
0: Well, that's a that's a fun question. I, I like that one. Um, I think you have to find a former Husker player with some real coaching experience here, right? I mean, there's plenty of ex-Huskers that uh, would love to be on Scott Frost's staff, uh, but I think you would really improve the staff if you find someone who has a lot of coaching experience somewhere else. Uh, a name that came to my mind when I heard this question. Is, uh, Tom Rathman. Um, you know, and, and it said anybody, and I don't think this is very likely, but it seems like he's kind of a career NFL assistant coach. But, uh, Rathman has been a established running backs coach in the NFL for two decades now, I want to say, under various different coaching staffs, uh, highly respected, I think. Um, and we've been talking at length about our running backs room. And this is nothing against Ryan Held, and, and he's a great recruiter. But if you wanted me to identify a great runnings running back coach,
2: I seems like Tom Rathman probably fits that bill. So I would look for someone like that. That's a great one, Dave. You know, it, it's interesting on Twitter, there's more guys coaching that are former Huskers than I realize. And, you know, you have Bobby Newcomb down there in Arizona or New Mexico, I think it is, and Kyler Reed's coaching out mm-hmm. there. Mac, you mentioned Steve Warren, you know, yeah, and got what that he's Warren done, Academy the Warren resume. Academy. Yeah, I always, I mentioned in a show or two ago. Damon Benning is a guy that always intrigues me, just because of his Omaha knowledge and 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 everything there from the the recruiting aspect of it too. But boy, Rathlin's a good one. Hard to bypass that, and to have that pro experience, and the guy's been doing it for so many years. That's a really good one. Well, last question here on football, and then we have one, one final one, and it's a baseball question. But the last one was football, and I'm, I'm going to go with everyone here. This is from Husker Nut, and he says, If you were Coach Frost and you knew everything that you know now when you accepted the job, what things would you do different from the start? Boomer, we're going to start with you, and then we'll go around the room.
1: Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, I think Matt covered some of it in his earlier response, maybe kind of toned down the, the hype coming in. You know, the whole talk of the big town adjusting to us type of thing. You know, maybe got fans' hopes up a little bit and built things up a touch. Uh, maybe another thing would be just check those weather reports for the first Akron game. <laughs> you know, kind of maybe you could plan a little better there. And just one thing we've always hit on in this podcast is just better focus on special teams. That's plagued us for three years now. It just hasn't been good. If, if that could have been better to start. You know his whole tenure here. There's games we could have won that that we didn't, and we'd be in a lot better position, I think, than than we are. So th- those would be just some simple, quick answers.
2: Yeah, no, I think that's fair, Boomer. And when you're dealing with a team that's lost so many close games like we have, it's those things like special teams that can be the difference in yeah. five, six, seven games, and we're feeling a lot different. Yeah, like, that,
1: like our last game against Rutgers, you know, we put up 600, 700 yards and a couple turnovers and special teams kept at a close game. I mean, that's how big of a difference that makes.
2: So. Absolutely. Dave, how about you? Yeah, you know, I would probably
0: reconsider my coaching staff. And, again, I'm not mm. trying to, to knock bringing all the UCF guys over. I like a lot of the guys that are still here, so I, I don't – but um, – Maybe adding a, a few guys that had Big Ten experience, um, or, or stronger recruiting, uh, ties could have made a lot more sense, um, to be Big Ten ready, right? I think what we've learned through this transition, and actually if you look at other coaches that come from, let's say the American, right? We just, Tom Herman from Houston, uh great success in Houston gets fired at Texas after four years, right? There's other examples of this. Uh, coaching at the um, group of five level, going to the the power five isn't always a smooth transition. Maybe having a few guys in your coaching staff that had coached at the power five level or big 10 beforehand would have made the transition easier.
2: You know, I, I, I'll go to you in a second here, Mac, but you mentioning that, Dave, it got me thinking. I have the, the staffs up here. It's why I'll mention it. Iowa State just had a real successful year again now under Matt Campbell. He is one of those group of five guys that made that jump. And we hear so much about recruiting. I have the classes up here. Since Frost came here, our recruiting classes were 23rd, 17th, 20th, and 20th from 2018 to 21. Do you know what Campbell's were at Iowa State's, Dave?
0: No, oh, I'll say in the 50 to 60 to 70 range. I don't know.
2: Yep, 55th, 46th, 46th, and 55th. And you think about what the success that he had, and, and we can come up with so many excuses. Oh, it's hard to recruit to Nebraska and blah, blah, blah. And then you go and you see, you know, that success over there. And really quite quite early, too. It took them about a year or two, and, and all of a sudden they were starting to win eight games and, you know, making bowl games. I have another question for you here. What teams have the longest active streaks without losing by more than a score? Do you have any guesses? Without- I have the I have the what was the top three or number three isn't one of them anymore because they lost by more than seven.
0: Wow, um, that's, a, that's a great question. I feel like Iowa is a part of this answer. I don't. know. Iowa's
2: number one. They have yeah. thirty straight games where they have not lost by more than a score, and and number two, Ohio State, twenty seven games. Number three was Oregon at 25, but they just lost by 17 points to that Iowa State team. So I'm not even sure what my point is with this little, you know, going off. But you had mentioned how, you know, the group of five guys, and you see what Matt Campbell's done at Iowa State. And, you know, with those recruiting classes, like, why did it work so well there? And why have we struggled so much just to get that you know, all of us thought six or seven wins at least by this point. Why, you know, just by dumb luck, we would.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, you could say, well, geez, Matt Campbell is a Mac coach, so maybe he understands the culture and the weather and the recruiting. But there's plenty of Mac coaches you can point to that have failed sure. as Big Ten coaches. Um, so it might be just more individual. That maybe that's my point with my answer is that um, to minimize that risk, building a coaching staff with some Power Five experience. Um, allows you to kind of accelerate your learning curve as a head coach and and achieve
2: success in in a, a big ten environment hey that's a great point
3: Mac I'll, I'll leave it with you um I would have recruited uh, Joe Burrow <laughs> I would have just I would have just said go ahead and come on over Joe it won't make any damn difference <laughs> but at least I won't have to hear about it for the rest of my career that's what I would have done what? because quite frankly here's my' We can all second guess his choices, but at the time, almost every single one I agreed with, and I could see what he was trying to do. Mm -hmm. And they just didn't work out. A lot of them didn't work out. We went to get the top JUCOs; they don't work out. We make changes with our special teams; it doesn't work out. You know, we just you know nothing's worked out. But they've all been good intentions. But I feel like a lot of heat would have went off if we just go ahead and said, "Come on, Joe." We'll never win a Heisman, you won't be the first <laughs> overall pick. We won't win maybe but maybe one or two more games. Either that or lie to Tristan Jebby and say you're the starter and have him not go transfer right before the first game and we beat Colorado because we have him for the second half. I don't know. But that's about it. <laughs> that's, well, those, those those are my choices. I, Husker Nut, thank you for that
2: question. Mm-hmm. It, I really appreciate all of your guys' answers there and I think you guys did a great job. You know, that's a tough question to answer. We all wish we had that crystal ball and we could look at him. Sure. He didn't have it. But having said that, we still – I know to to man, each of us are, are looking at him and saying – he still, right away, said, let's get that walk-on program yep. going. And literally within his first month, they had that first walk-on class that we're starting yep. to see some some dividends from. You know, they said we're going to get the strength and conditioning going. Yep. And I agree with you, Mac. Over the offseason, I don't need to hear about s- squats or anything, but it is going on, and that is and important. nothing
3: against Zach Duvall, no. I'm not that interested in his tweets. His, his
2: <laughs> and the other thing is, you know, that that in-state recruiting and, and shutting down the borders, they've been successful doing yep. that. So. All those things still apply. They are, I think he has the right formula. I mean, no one here is saying, you know, get rid of Frost or anything stupid like that. We're not going that route. But it is, it's just funny. There's so many things that are right that are going on. And yet, what has prevented us from just winning that one or two more games? And Boomer says it with the special teams. Or the special teams might be. Dave the, said it with one or two coaches. One. Maybe that, whatever it is, it's just, we've we just missed something.
3: Yeah I mean they're all every point is valid every single point is valid and and you might if you change those few things maybe it changes the course of everything you yep. know maybe maybe if that front doesn't bro- blow through and we get to play that first game who knows like could that have changed the course of Scott Frost's entire career here you get that one win out of the game if we, confidence going into Colorado we beat Colorado and then who knows if what we happens. beat Akron in that game I don't know if we lose again Probably not.
2: <laughs> we, we are minimum that's, at minimum. That's a sound theory, honk. For two years in a row. I mean, boomer. That's sound, right? I mean, math checks out. Drake Bell doesn't go away. <laughs> yeah. I mean. All right. <laughs> well, let's transition to one other question here, and I'm going to go to Dave and Boomer on this. They're our baseball experts, and it is going to be baseball season here coming up. In fact, they just started. Re- Rabbit season. I, yeah, they uh, the team reported this week and everything. We had a question from Salvasta, and he asked, "How's the in baseball team looking? Are they going to be college World Series bound?" Uh, so I'll start with you, Dave. Uh, obviously, they're college World Series bound this year, right? No, I it's.
0: We're bound to have a culture world series. Maybe I can answer <laughs> it that way. I, I, I think they'll have a culture world series. Hey, we didn't last year. Um, you know, very little is known really fully about the, the schedule and all these type of things. It sounds like it might be an all big 10 schedule and various different things. So there, I just checked on the website last week and I had really not a lot of information on, on what the schedule looks like, but I do think the roster is much improved. I mean, if anybody had benefited from, from this uh, pandemic situation, from a, a roster management standpoint, it's a lot of baseball programs because they've been able to uh, um, adjust their rosters and make a lot of changes. Um, and uh, Will Bolt has done a great job of getting Nebraska kids. Don't want to wanna recommit to going to Nebraska. Max Anderson is maybe one of the best ac- examples of that. An A&M guy who, who had committed to, to Anderson down there and, then is now going to be playing uh, here in in Lincoln, so I, I think this is a, a an improved roster, a roster that can be very competitive in the Big Ten. Um, I probably wouldn't say they're CWS bound, but I do think they could be NCAA tournament bound right away. Right away in what feels like year one for
2: Will Bolt. So if I had to say Frost, Hoiberg, or Bolt, you'd probably say Bolt. Yeah, I would agree with that.
1: Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that analysis. It's going to be a weird year again just because we don't know anything about the schedule really at this point, who we're going to play, how it's going to shake out. And how is the, you know, the seating of a another weird COVID impacted season going to going to work? If we play an all Big 10 schedule, how does that impact where we might end up? Do we get a home series? Do we not? Do we play somewhere else? I don't know. There's reasons for optimism, but this is an optimistic podcast. Regardless of what happens, <laughs> That's so very we're going to say it's boom. good. So um, yeah, why not? We're going to the College World Series. We're winning at least one one game there. So why not?
3: <laughs> hey, did you guys see the pictures on Twitter of the baseball team working out, like in a garage? Yeah, why do they have them in the? Gym? Yeah, we did. It was
1: kind of Cobra Kai esque. Yeah, yeah, I just feel it. like.
3: Yeah. It feels like. Unnecessarily cruel. I'm <laughs> I see cinder blocks behind you guys, and it's like you know the, the ceilings are like seven Let's feet be tough, tall. You know Why are Yeah, they, they were doing there? some
1: running drills in like a big cement mixer? So it was it was I crazy. Gosh. Just <laughs> put those
3: on <laughs> It's like the baseball team needs to wake up. There's a whole facility dedicated. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think the
0: Big Ten only schedule could be really interesting in the sense of like we're coming off a couple of years where the Big Ten has actually had a, quite a bit of success. Right, Michigan. The last time we played a World Series, College World Series, Michigan was you know a, a game away from winning the whole thing. So, if there's only Big Ten games, I, I still think that a selection committee may still give three, four, or more tourney bids to Big Ten teams, right? So, in Nebraska, tends to fare well in the Big Ten. So, I, I think that might play
3: in our favor. Make it so, that'd be great. We could use some men's sports success. I'm all on board. <laughs> yeah, and Dave, your point about uh, getting
2: the in-state recruits coming back too, what a job Bolt has done focusing on that and having success of keeping those guys here. That's that's a great strategy and path, I think, moving forward for the program. Well, thank you, Sal Vasta, for the question. Thank you for all the questions, everyone. Uh, you can always send them to us at the Go Big Redcast a Gmail inbox, and on social media at Go Big Redcast Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You're so good at that. Thank you. You are. He's a professional, Mac.
3: That's a pro, man. It just rolls off the tongue.
2: If he was <laughs> as
0: efficient with his parting shots as he was with that, we would be out of here before you know it.
3: Fair mm-hmm. point, Dave. That's a great point.
0: <laughs> uh, speaking of parting shots, Honky, let's get out of here. Here we go. <laughs> Take
3: hey, it away. in, Red Nope.
2: Very efficient tonight. Uh, <laughs> this actually kind of goes back to the question about are there any former uh, Huskers that would be coaches out there? And... Uh, Did you guys hear who who is the new uh, LSU offensive coordinator? Just announced today, Jake Peets, former Husker, played here 2005, has 10 years of NFL experience, running back and quarterbacks coach at Carolina, offense assistant for Jacksonville, Washington, Oakland. He was an analyst in college football, played defensive back here at Nebraska. Also, I think did some long snapping. Uh, in the mid 2000s, so he is the new offensive coordinator. Congratulations to Jake Peets and an O'Neill, Nebraska native too. So you you never know, right? I mean, the, down the road, um, who knows? You know, when you're when you're looking for a, a coach, maybe that could uh, be a name that could be back in Lincoln someday.
0: Sure, I mean, you know, Zach Taylor might be available midway through next season as well. <laughs> There's a chance. I, <laughs> I'm hoping that's not the case, but uh, I know how the NFL works. Uh, Mac, what do you got for me?
3: It's it's a Beginning of a new year, it's beginning of a new season, a lot of positivity in the air. I'd just be curious on Twitter um, what some of the Redcaster's New Year's resolutions are. So if you guys want to hit us up on Twitter and tell us some of the things that you guys are planning on doing this year, I, for one, am going to do intermittent fasting. And I'm dominating it. I'm doing the 18 and whatever the other remainder is. I don't do math. I do intermittent fasting. So uh, <laughs> I don't eat for 18 hours and then whatever happens afterwards is my business. That would be six hours. And Shut up, Mike. Day. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Boomer. Don't stop me while I'm talking. <laughs> Drinking, by the way, doesn't affect your fast, <laughs> says Mac. So, yeah, let us know what your uh, what, what your New Year's resolution is. Uh, and uh, we'll uh, see if it holds mustard by, uh, you know, mid-spring mid, uh, ball. Yeah, no, I see like I, how you're
0: doing. I like. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, Boomer.
3: Well, Mac, I've been doing uh, kind
1: of intermittent fasting for about the last year, or so it, it 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 is good. So between that and my power yoga, it, it's been excellent for health. I'm a big so. fan of autophagy. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, good. Isometric <laughs> resistance is nice. So, but uh, yeah, there's that, and uh, just want to remind Husker fans uh, that yeah, football's done. Men's basketballs have been a questionable events so far, but we have other sports around the horizon. Uh, Nebraska women's basketball have had a couple of good uh, Big Ten wins, including a win over uh, Ranked Northwestern, or Hydrox NU, however you want to refer to them, and uh, volleyball is right around the corner. Uh, we got a number five ranking, or if uh, Dabo is voting, they he put volleyball at number 11, so <laughs> given plenty of uh, board, uh, bulletin board material for the team, so a lot of sports left to be played this
2: year, so... Let's go, Big Red. And was it wrestling? Was also preseason number five? I think I believe so. Yeah, it sounds right. And bowling, I'm sure is that coming up too? Boomer, you're ah yeah, bowling's
1: usually kind of going around around February. I'll have to dig into that a little further. I know we wanted to attend the event, but with COVID uh, kind of imploding that lately, I don't know what our chances are. Unless so. it's at Madison's,
3: right? <laughs> 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 all right, you
4: don't even have to
2: wear a mask. Not at all. Well,
4: we'll, we'll recall
2: that. Later, all right, guys.
4: So, yeah. uh,
0: Good talking to you in this new year. Um I'm looking forward to a lot more Redcast where we get a break down season football and dive into all the other Husker sports. For now, let's call that a Go Big Redcast.
3: Go Big Red! are. 2021 is the year we're going to turn this thing around.
2: A Media Production.